نشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له الحمد لله رب العالمين الحمد لله الوالي الكريم وصلى الله على انبياء اجمعين والمسيح والمحسي والمجدد لمن مرسلين اما بعد Are we not the bearers of witness that nothing would exist if Allah didn't create it? And that He is alone and has no part? And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of His prophets and His apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God, and on the Mujaddid, the Reform, which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. On WGAG Radio. Radio. I have two questions uh, from the Black Book. Um, the first question is on page 271. And um, I just wanted to know the difference between illusion and unknown. They say they uh, the word illusion. And yes. the Hebrew word, Elyon? Yes, according to the black book, it shows that they're related. It's simply saying they're related phonetically. Just like you can say the little, ch- the little boy from Cuba, his name was Elyon. You, you know right away they're phonetically related. You follow what I'm saying? And most people don't realize that all languages on the planet Earth are related. I'm going to come back to your point, but I want to establish that. And a certain person or a certain being is responsible for all the different languages on the planet. According to Bible-believing people, somebody diversified the tongues, forced the battle, and now people speak different languages. Whoever that person is, is also the person responsible for racism, separation and hate. You say, well, how's that? Because Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, that same person says, I'm going to put enmity between the woman's seed and the serpent's seed. So this being talking, it's saying, I'm going to put enmity, I'm going to put hate, I'm going to put rivalry between two beings that I created. Because God created both that woman and the devil. And, 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 and people say, well, how does God create the devil? Well, because people say that in the Bible or the Quranic life, that the devil is darkness and God is light. That's why Jesus called early on his call, and God is called the bright light, and light is knowledge, etc., etc., etc. But when and if God did create light, and he said, what, let there be? When he did that, he had to create shadows. So if you create light, you automatically create a shadow. Now, the light is, is, is the shadow is created by an object in light. So therefore, when the sun was created, if the sun is a mass, and the mass has a shadow. Then he said, let there be light. And he decided that the sun was light and that evening and the morning, there was a shadow out. But neither one of them are pure darkness. 
because the sun itself had to be created outside of darkness. If there was no light, there'd be no shadow. So you had darkness before you had the shadow. So therefore, their reference to dark as evil is in actuality talking about the shadow, not the state of darkness that God had to be in when God said, let there be light. All intelligence, all thinking has its birth or origin in darkness, meaning there is no light inside your head at this moment. So when you see anything, you look outward apparently and reflect the image inward. So in order to see, you don't see this way, you see this way. And therefore you're sending light inward to darkness. And when it gets inside the head, it follows through the eyes, through the optic nerve, then it triggers with the brain. Therefore the intelligent point or the point of decision or deciding what I'm looking at, how tall it is, how bright it is, how fat it is, how thin it is, how uh, red or green or blue is done in darkness. And it takes the intelligence to make that decision. You follow what I'm saying? It doesn't take the ability to cut on the light to use the intelligence. The intelligence factor is done in the darkness. Thus God, in actuality, being the source of all intelligence, dwells in darkness. And God said, let there be light. And when light came, there had to be a shadow. And that shadow is what they're calling the darkness of evil. And that's why if you look in the Quran, the same word they use for darkness, zulam, is the same word they use for shadow, zulam. And the Arabic of the Quran is from the ancient Seretic, which goes back to the ancient Semitic languages where Hebrew is the same word. So their definition of shadow and darkness was the same. Somewhere along the line, the preacher and the teacher got confused. And they just made all darkness bad. And then said darkness is associated with black, so black stuff is bad. But black, not being a color but a state, existed before darkness. You see, because darkness is telling you it has a state, it has a degree of itself. Darkness. If it's darkness, then there's less than darkness. And a shadow is determined by how far the sun is from the object that it's reflecting upon. You with me so far? So when you reach down inside the human being, right, in the mind, you find light or darkness. And in that darkness, you find reason, decision, and thought. So when God said, let there be light, and thus God created a shadow, the counterpart to light, the shadow was the darkness, the irreality yet existed, the unperfect yet existed, the untangible yet existed, the illusion of the Most High. So illusion translated as the Most High, and illusion to the Most High would be its equal untangible. The shadow, the shadow is equal to you in all shapes, size and intensity, but not in density. <laughs> Nirvana, that's why in the black book it says illusion and illusion. That's really one of the same thing. Illusion is, is alluding to the shadow of the material things. And we've been taught to ignore how important a shadow is. But all of us will step in the shade when it's cold, when it's too hot. And while we seek the shade, 
the shadows seem to become very important to us. But on a cloudy day, right before a picnic, when we're wishing for the sun, all of a sudden we no longer like the shade. We don't want the clouds to hinder our picnic. Now, throw away the clouds, so we've been taught to cast away the dark, because it hinders what I can do in the light. Never realizing that anything I do in the light is coming from the intellect. And that's why we refer to that, refer to that as the intellect, and not the, the outlet, because those decisions are made in the head, not outside the head. The vision and what I see is determined from my insight, not my outside. You follow? Okay? <laughs> I have one other question. On the same page, um, uh, it states that the square, according to the ancient ones, is different than the one that uh, what we perceive as the square. Okay. I don't want to know how. I'll tell you why. Because when we see a square, we're looking at four 90 degree angles, right? Is that a square? What is the difference between a square and a cube, geometrically speaking? A cube has density, but it's still a square. And from each angle you look at it, you see a square from any direction. This is what makes it a cube. But when we look at the square, or the square, all we're looking at is a frame undefined. It has to, from that point, make a decision as to what it's going to become. But the cube has completed its journey into what it is. It becomes the cube. Or, in Arabic, it becomes the Kaaba. You follow that? The, the square plus now listen, does the square geometrically add up to the cube? Square gives me four 90 degree angles. But the cube gives me how many? The four 90 degree angles on a square because the square doesn't have its density. It hasn't become the cube in order to create the next four corners. So the square gives me how much is the square? 490 degrees? And the cube? 720. 720. If I had a blackboard in front of me, I would draw a square. And I'd get my 360 degrees. And then I would draw a cube. And you'll see that the point from which I join the line, the cube transforms itself either inward or outward. It's taking me from the physical into the next realm. I don't want to just say spiritual. It's, it's pulling me from the third dimension, the cube, to the fourth dimension, the square. When actuality, the cube has an entity. So it's, that's why they say it's an optical illusion to look at a square when you make the box. You can't tell the central point whether it's coming at you or going in. But you're looking at the square turns with the point facing you as opposed to the cube turn with the face. I hope I'm not losing you, but if I could draw it, it should be easier. So I'm trying to draw this in my mind, and it could sound real confusing. So in actuality, the 720 degrees that the cube produces 
gives you 360 degrees of the physical plane and 360 degrees of the spiritual plane. I don't want to use spiritual because I don't want people to get spooky. Right? Whereas the square, a geometric symbol, a geometry, is only giving me 360 degrees of the, of the physical plane. I'm seeing it before it becomes what it is destined. And it only has one destination. Because all the points are closed. And that is to become a cube. It's a reference to our character. And what we are as a one-dimensional being with a soul. When I look at this gentleman, I see his physical and I see him 360 degrees. I see what it takes to be a mortal. But I'm also looking at a spiritual being. It will only come out when he is finished becoming what he was cut out to be. So in Freemasonry, they have what they call the ashlar or the uncut stone. And it carves until they get a perfect square. And that, then they continue to carve until they manifest a perfect cube. And those stages are the growth of the shaping of our character. Because while we are squaring off our actions and deeds in the physical, it must have a reaction on the spiritual. In order for me to get myself together physically, I have to get myself together mentally. I cannot pretend I'm not using drugs no more. I have to stop using drugs. I can't pretend I'm not getting drunk no more. I have to stop so that square becomes that cube is a reference to a perfect ashram. A stone cut without the sound of a hammer, nor the sweat of a flower. That means you cut the stone because you, as a being, are, is, is an uncut ashlar, a rough stone. It must be cut, and then you become a perfect being. And most people say you can't ever become perfect. And I say, wrong. If you're in the image and after the likeness of God, you have a destiny to become perfect. And whoever's telling you you can't become perfect is dangerous. Because that person is questioning the God quality in you and the gift that God gave you to be in his or her image and after his or her likeness. You do have a destiny to square yourself off. There's, more, there's, there's symbolism in the black book. It has yet to be elaborated on. And that's just all one. <laughs> of, of one. Okay? Okay. As the mysteries of Egypt intrigued you, the secrets of the pyramids and the scientists that built them, well, now you can have these secrets. Now you can enter into ancient Egyptian order and learn. Who built the pyramids? Why? Medicine, alchemy, the secrets of symbolism revealed to you. Enter the ancient Egyptian order now, now, now. Right here. Oh, yeah, yes, I'm in with California. Okay. Robert, Robert. I have a question. It states that raised small names. Excuse me, I don't want to be rude, but it states. Oh, excuse me, black. Okay. <laughs> Pardon. I, 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 I gotta be with you. 
Okay, um, in the black book it states that raised small name is rule. And later on in the black book it states that in male is called rule. So I guess my question is, what is the connection, if any, between these two beings having the same name and the material that you mean these four beings, don't you? Four beings? Because whatever you say, Ray, you're saying Atumre, Atumre, and Amunre. And it depends on what knowns in ancient Egypt you were in at the time, and which one worshipped which deity. In some people saying, say, uh, they had Amunre. So they referred to Amunre there as Ray because Amun was understood. And if you went to Memphis, they had Atumre. And they just referred to him as Ray. So therefore, all of the Anunnaki were raised. If they all fall under the term Ray. That did not apply to all of the Sumerians. All of the Neolithic Egyptians, before the word Egyptos was used, were referred to as Ray. That did not refer to the dynastic period that came out of them. You follow what I'm saying? Go ahead. I have a question on the black book on page 33. I have a reference to question like this. Um, you said that you have mastered one, it's on page 33, you have mastered, you have mastered one, two, three, and have traveled, you know, one and two, and have traveled three, five, seven, and now you hold the key between one and nine, and um, I was trying to get a clear understanding on the number. Not being a Freemason, you might not understand, but all the time, Freemason, they might ask an individual, how old are you? And the answer is one, three, right, uh, one, three, or five. Right? And that's making a reference to which degree of the ladder of Jacob they have run. So I'm making reference to any Freemason who comes across that book and says, how old are you? I say, well, I'm already fast, one, three, five. And I went on to seven and straight on up. They don't know. They don't get past three degrees. And those three degrees are one, three, five. And the British telegraph and mathematics. That's as high as they go. There's no such thing as 33 degrees in Freemasonry. There's no such thing as 32 degrees. The original degrees of Freemasonry are only three degrees. Everything else is honorary studies. If I'm saying Egyptians, as if we never gave them over three degrees. We never allowed them outside of persons, places, and things. And because they are the masters of most education and social system destiny, everybody. Muslim, Christian, Jew are all trapped under three degrees. Person, places, and things. And we say, I'm going to take people to a another level and do seven. And then at that point I say, and in the metaphysical or esoteric doctrine, you've been taught about the seven seats also or chakras. Well, because the people who were teaching that science only had seven, you follow? They don't know about the nine. Now I'm taking you from the seven up to the next, you have to learn about the next two chakras, 
not just the one that's in the crown, like we get to the, like I said, we go to the ancient Egyptian word, you look in the dictionary, and the, the word brow feet, you get the Egyptian word near, which you also know is been translated as pyramid or central fire, right? Like, like this. They, they considered this the fifth point, the third eye. Then they went to the crown with their 12 occult nerves, which represent the 12 signs of the zodiac. And in the center of there, they put the seventh seat, the crown chakra. When they get back to Egypt at the temple of Hathor, or Hathor and they look on the ceiling toward the sky, and they see the calendar of Dendora, they notice that in the center of Tawaret, and Tawaret is a female deity. The Moors call her Zodiacus, the center of the sign of the Zodiac. They also call her Minty. They call her, they got many different names. We see her standing in the center as the mother of mammals that are also reptilians. You know what I'm saying? So we have, we have this degree of study. It takes us from her at one, up the body, three, on out the body, the five, and stay on the universe, the seven. And we keep on traveling, right? The zodiac represents our woman, the mother of all creation, the science of the universe, and the waffle in actuality is a feminine word in the ancient language. For that, for our science, sound, right, and reasoning, it applies to the woman. So those are key signatures to identify, and when you get the handbook that's coming soon, right, you, you say the handbook, I may walk up to you and then say, well, how old are you? And then you say, I'm nine. When you get nine, then you're born again. No Christian can be born again until he's nine. And see, Christ, as they call him, Christos or Krishna, says, you must be born again. And when he asks, you mean I must go back into the womb? He said, no, you must be born of spirit and truth. The God, you must be saved. You, have, you must receive grace and joy. He couldn't understand. Nicodemus couldn't understand where Jesus was coming from. Well, Jesus was after the order of Melchizedek because Jesus was an Essene. And the only Egyptian order he could find in all Judea were the Essenes up in Jordan. So he went there following John the Baptist. Because he was after the order of Melchizedek, and the Essene order was the Egyptian order, and that's the only place those degrees were being conferred. You follow that? So when he made that I am the way, the truth and the life, he was telling them, come behind me, walk this path through this temple, and I'm going to give you this special guidance. I'm going to give you this special truth, some information that I got. It caused me problems in the temple. Because when I came back from Egypt, I had to confront the rabbis and the priests, and I got in a great argument with them about these truths of Torah. Because I had to explain to them that the Torah, or the Torah, or the Tanakh, that holy book, is nothing but Torah. The female, in the sense of the zodiac, Torah, Torah. And they wasn't ready to accept the Egyptian mystery. Because they had already set up a doctrine. So he had to put aside what he learned in the ancient Egyptian order while he studied ancient Egypt and submerged himself amongst the Essenes. And at that point he was 
stepping down in degrees. So you'll come around again, I promise you, and you'll read it and you'll laugh. And then I'll walk up to you sometime between now and you'll stay with it and say, by the way, how old are you? And you'll laugh when you answer me, when you ask how simple it is, it's explained and handled. That's what you have to do. Alright? But, but Freemasons is that one, two, five, you know, seven. How when they call you to master Mason, they consider themselves seven. And that seven is what? The highest point on the chocolate or the climbing of the Kundalini, the ladders of Jacob, they get to the top. And if you see a Freemasonry chart, you see they have all the degrees going up. And at the top they have a triangle with an eye in the triangle, and that's when you see the top, the highest so-called degree. And they'll call that 33 degrees, but the manifestation will be Kunsu. Because when they get to that so-called degree, they give you a, a phoenix bird looking in two different directions. And that's the symbol of Kunsu, the healer of ancient Egypt. And that eye is there, is looking down with That's eye of Ross, the sun. They find out that the light that they've been following is really the light of the... He said, I'm the light of the... I'm the light of the world. In the Holy Quran, it says, it says, Allah is a Nord Semuati Wal Ard. Nord Semuati Wal Ard. That means the light of the heaven, sky, and the earth. You become the light of the sky and the earth, you are still the light of the world because you're referring to the sun. You can't immediately adjust that and say, the light of the heaven and the earth means my mind or my intellect because I just explained to you that intellect is conceived in darkness, inside the head where there is no light. The thoughts come in there and then they come back out. You follow? So when he says, I am the light of the heavens and the earth, the sun. So the Freemason, after all of his traveling toward the light, finds out the light he was traveling toward was nothing more than the sun. And all the knowledge he got was nothing more than knowledge with inside this earthly range. Sciences, arts, fine arts, mathematics, geometry. And he's like puzzled. And a hand reaches down from heaven and pulls him up out the muck and mire as he wants to step through the map and become a god. When he becomes a god, they refer to him as a supreme grand master in the lodge, as opposed to simply a master mason or a grand master who can open and close the lodge, but not, does not bear the title supreme grand master. He sits at the eastern point of the lodge, and above him is the eye of God, which is in actuality Ray, the sun. He now is amongst the ranks of the Egyptian deities and inherits the responsibility of conveying the message to people on earth if they are worthy and capable of keeping the secret. And what is the secret? The secret is hidden in the name, the sacred name. What is the sacred name? What's, what name in Egypt is a ray and deals with a secret? Huh? Amun. Amun means the king one, the one who keeps the secret. And so the Freemason who walks through Jah, Baal, and On, 
the except the Bible, the Quran, and the Enumayish, then finally gets the Book of Dead, he's passed to the three, what they call monotheistic religions, and each one of them, at the end of their ritual, or when the light of their ritual starts to descend or end, says, Amen, Amun, or Umen. And it all ends with the same name of the same deity. And that's why in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, it literally says, Amun, the faithful, the faithful, the truth. Most people, it's a definite article to, to make sure that you don't think they're talking about Jesus. Well,
Hot damn politics. 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 Hot damn these niggas won't hold me back. 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 The brain trust panel. Brain trust. Brain trust. Brain trust. Brain trust. Hot diggity damn politics. I put that shit on everything. Hot damn politics. Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Only on WGAG Radio. You catch my girl legs open, better smash that. Don't be surprised if she asks where the cash shit. Let's talk about what they don't want you to talk about. On the Don Nicoleon Show, Rock Talk Radio, Monday through Sunday, 12 noon, Eastern Standard Time. Or jointhegossip.com. WGAG Radio. Would you like to ask Don a question? Are you in need of advice or counsel? Tell Don Nicoleone your concerns on a particular matter, your views or opinions about something that's important to you or anything you want her to talk about on the show. Email DearDonNicoleone at gmail.com. Hey, man. Hey, hey, bro. Hey, bro, man. Hey, man, I see you. You think I got that book in your hand, man, written by Dr. Yo, man. Where you get that book from, cuz? Shout out to man, I've been on live, I've been on eBay, I've been on Amazon, I've been on some of them goddamn bootleg ass .bo sites and shit, man. These motherfuckers charging goddamn damn near rent money and a goddamn down payment on a house and shit for some of them .bo books, man. It's hard as hell to find a goddamn one. Then I went fucked around and went on goddamn Amazon. They were selling all the tablets and shit. For a goddamn, it was a goddamn notebook. It was a goddamn, goddamn holy tablet in the goddamn binder, man. These motherfuckers charge like six, seven, eight hundred dollars for these Dr. York books, man. Hey, man, what can I goddamn get me one of them Dr. York books reasonable, man? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about like at least goddamn some of his shit, man. These motherfuckers, man, these motherfuckers really motherfucking charging out the ass, shout it. I need a legit place. Where the fuck can I get me some Dr. York books at, man? That I won't motherfucking goddamn go broke over. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Does this sound like you? Well, of course it does. Or, matter of fact, it did. Until you found out about All Eyes on Egypt in Monticello, Georgia. That's right. All Eyes on Egypt in Monticello, Georgia. You don't ever have to worry about where is your money. Who can you speak to? All these bogus, fake, bootleg sites that are perpetrating and pretending that they're selling Dr. Malachi's New York book. And even if they did... They're not selling it at an affordable price. Don't go to no one else. No one. No robots, no websites, no none of that. Get all your Dr. Malachi's New York books right here at All Eyes on Egypt. And we're running a sale for the month of September till October the 9th. On Man for Planet Rich is at $19. The L Poly Tablets is at $70. Also, let's not forget the Sacred Wisdom of Tahuti. That's in right now. Get it now while you can at $25. So much more. The Right Knowledge Series, the Christ Series, the Mohammedism, the Mosism, the Christism. We got everything. The Luciferian Conspiracy. Everything written by Dr. Malachi D. York at a legitimate, affordable price in a legitimate store authorized by Dr. Malachi D. York himself. Don't waste your time. 
don't waste your money and enjoy the rest of your life knowing that All Eyes on Egypt in Monticello, Georgia is dependable, trustworthy, and authorized by Dr. Malachi Z. York. Why wait? Pick up the phone today. Call 706-468-2319 and speak to a live person. Only at All Eyes on Egypt, Monticello, Georgia. That's all eyes, E-G-I-P-T-G-A dot com. Call us today. Now welcome back to the man of the hour. The four naive angles on a square because the square doesn't have its density. It hasn't become the cube in order to create the next four corners. So the square gives you 300, how much is the square? 493? And the cube? 720. 720. If I had a blackboard in front of me, I would draw a square and I'd get my 360 degrees. And then I would draw a cube. And you'll see that the point from which I join the line, the cube transforms itself either inward or outward. It's taking me from the physical into the next realm. I don't want to just say spiritual. It's, it's pulling me from the third dimension, the cube, to the fourth dimension, the square. When actuality, a cube has an entity. So it's, that's why they say it's an optical illusion to look at a square when you make the box. You can't tell the central point whether it's coming at you or going in. But you're looking at the square turn with the point facing you as opposed to the cube turn with the face. I hope I'm not losing you, but if I could draw it, it should be easier. So I'm trying to draw this in my mind, and it could sound real confusing. So in actuality, the 720 degrees that the cube produces gives you 360 degrees of the physical plane and 360 degrees of the spiritual plane. I don't want to use spiritual because I don't want people to get spooky. Right? Where uh, the square, a geometric symbol, a geometry, is only giving me 360 degrees of the, of the physical plane. I'm seeing it before it becomes what it is destined. And it only has one destination. Because all the points are closed. And that is to become a cube. It's a reference to our character. And what we are as a one-dimensional being with the soul. When I look at this gentleman, I see his physical, and I see him 360 degrees. I see what it takes to be a mortal. But I'm also looking at a spiritual being. This will only come out when he is finished becoming what he was cut out to be. So in Freemasonry, they have what they call the ashlar, or the uncut stone and it's carved until they get a perfect square. And that, then they continue to carve until they manifest a perfect cube. And those stages are the growth of the shaping of our character. Because while we are squaring off our actions and deeds in the physical, it must have a reaction on the spiritual. In order for me to get myself together, Physically, I have to get myself together mentally. I cannot pretend I'm not using drugs no more. I have to stop. 
using drugs. I can't pretend I'm not getting drunk no more. I have to stop so that square becomes that cube is a reference to a perfect action. A stone cut without the sound of a hammer, nor the sweat of a flower. That means you cut the stone because you, as a being, is an uncut ashla, a rough stone. It must be cut, and then you become a perfect being. And most people say you can't ever become perfect. And I say, wrong. If you're in the image and after the likeness of God, you have a destiny to become perfect. And whoever's telling you you can't become perfect is dangerous. Because that person is questioning the God quality in you and the gift that God gave you to be in his or her image and after his or her likeness. You do have a destiny to square yourself off. There's, more, there's, there's symbolism in the black book. It has yet to be elaborated on. And that's just all one. Over of one. Okay? Okay. Has the mysteries of Egypt intrigued you? The secrets of the pyramids and the scientists that built them. Well, now you can have these secrets. Now you can enter into ancient Egyptian order and learn who and what you are. Who built the pyramids? Why? Medicine. How do you The secrets of symbolism revealed to you. Enter the ancient Egyptian order. Yeah, man, it's one, two, three, and then it's 
traveled, you know, one and two, and I've traveled three, five, seven, and now the whole the key between one and nine. And um, I was trying to get a clear understanding on the number. Not being a Freemason, <laughs> you might not understand. But all the time, the Freemason, they might ask an individual, how old are you? And the answer is one, three, right? Uh, one, three, or five. Right? And that's making a reference to which degree of the ladder of Jacob they have run. So I'm making reference to any Freemason who comes across that book and says, how old are you? I said, well, I'm already fast. One, three, five. And I went on to seven and straight on up. They don't know. They don't get past three degrees. And those three degrees are one, three, five. And the British and Mathematics. That's as high as they go. There's no such thing as 33 degrees in Freemasonry. There's no such thing as 32 degrees. The original degrees of Freemasonry are only three degrees. Everything else is honorary studies. If I'm saying Egyptians, as we never gave
We've always debated, who's the greatest player of all time? Dumb question. It should be, who's the greatest team of all time? WGAG Radio. Sorry, Showtime. WGAG Radio. Back to back. WGAG Radio. First three P. WGAG Radio. Even with the flu. WGAG Radio. No push off. WGAG Radio. And my favorite. Tough to beat that. What? You think there's someone else? Prove it. Bring them out, bring them out, bring them out, bring them out. It's hard to yell when the barrel's in your mouth. Woo! Bring them out, bring them out. 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 This is Matruna Firu. I'm calling in from Toledo, Ohio. And I want to give WGAG Radio a seven-year happy anniversary. This is Empress Ross calling in from Reno, Nevada, and I would like to wish WGAG Radio a happy seven-year anniversary. Seeing me for calling from Chicago, Illinois, want to wish WGAG Radio a happy seven years and many more. I'm a prestige bitch. Bring them out, 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 bring them out. Bring them out, bring them out. I came up out of that goddamn life, bitch. I'm trying to show you some shit. If you keep rationing with the fucking name. Hey, this is Danny, you know what I'm talking about from the nation's capital, Bishop WGAG Radio. Happy 7th year, and I wish you more. This is Peace and Blessings saying happy 7th anniversary to WGAG Radio. Call from North Cross, Georgia. It wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for the baddest, black, brilliant, big booty, baddest chick in the world, Don the Nobody can do it like you, baby. Bring we get on? Yes, I will accept the word ghetto. Ghetto. We can do TDTO. Get who fucking Calling from Remington, Washington to wish WGAG a happy 7th birthday. Peace, love, and prosperity, and much growth. Yeah, this is Jay Iller calling from the great Lone Star State of Texas. Just want to say shalom, till I cool, BL Kaloon. Keep the all within the all. He kept them sip y'all wounds. And congratulations on a strong seven years to Don Nicole Leon, WGAG Radio, and the Brain Trust family. We're going to keep doing this shit forever. Bring them out, bring them out. So when you got these jokes out there that for once have not embraced all, have not embraced God, look at women as a piece of ass and still ain't got ass and still is low life and all they trying to hunt I say, find God, get your shit together, and then I'll let me later, nigga. Hey, Don, this is my baby love calling from Georgia, Georgia. And, of course, I have to give a seven-year birthday shout-out to WGAG, Real Nigga Radio, and to you, the baddest bitch in El Calou, Don Nicole. I'm a psychic to not be free screaming at the goddamn gas station. That's all I'm fucking attracted to, shout-out. Bring them out, bring them out. 
Mike check, Mike check, great day done. Happy seventh anniversary to WGAG Radio. This Tony calling in from Memphis, Tennessee. I want to wish a happy seventh birthday to WGAG Radio. Y'all put it down all the time. Real shit for real motherfuckers. So keep on keeping it real. What's going on, y'all? It's a Missy the Writer calling from New York City, wishing WGAG Radio a happy seven years. Uh, this is for my girl, my baby girl, Don Coleon, WGAG Radio, Real Nigga Radio. Beautiful seven years. We're going to do seven more. This is, by the way, Cedar Ama Aset Amuna Ali L right next door over in the ham. Uh, you know what? I'm proud of you, and it's just like I know you, and I am so proud of you. You're doing beautiful. You're like a, you're, you're, mag, you're magical. You get me? I should have thrown that shit in there. <laughs> but you are. <laughs> but, girl, you got something going on. It's magic. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Keep it up. Keep going. Don't stop. Yeah, it's your boy Jay Iller. And when I ain't here banging out these amazing beats, I'm cooler with my peace at the Don Nicoleone after party. Come through and chat it up with us anytime. Meet up with the brain trust. Come listen to some good music. Get caught up in some good conversation. You may even catch a building session from time to time. Learn something new. Get yourself inspired. What you gotta do, you have to go to www.powtalk.com and search Don Nicoleone the after party. And there you are. Here we go. Now, welcome back to the man of the hour. Shrine were protectors of the child. What spiritual doctrine do they adhere to? Or were they just soldiers? That's a strange question. You said since the shrine were the protectors of the child. Are the protectors of the child. Okay, what spiritual doctrine did they adhere to? Were they mystics or were they just soldiers? Or did they have a spiritual doctrine? Or discipline, should I say? Uh, some of the original shriners belong to what they refer to as the Khelwati order of the Mutasawas, or Sufis. And they were from the Masjid al-Ali, which in English becomes the Temple of Ali. And that was in Shurq uh, al-Awsit, or Saudi Arabia, years ago, the family of the Prophet Muhammad called Ahl al-Bayt. So they had a mystical order of Sufis. Now, when you go back to the Torah or the Old Testament, you find out that these men are referred to as the Essenes. When you go back to Persia amongst the uh, Farsiya, or they become known as the Magus or the Magi. So they always did have a secret doctrine. And their secret doctrine you find in the books of Job, uh, you'll find in the books of Job 9, especially because they're talking about the constellations of the stars. And they use uh, four major stars there. They use the Orion star constellation called Kisil. Uh, they use Arcturus, Plates, and then they use Mesaris. And the word Mesaris translates as the 12 signs of the zodiac. You follow? So the original travelers by across the desert would use the stars as our guides to lead us from oasis to oasis to town to town to village to village and so they did have a doctrine and that doctrine has been borrowed by the Greeks and Latin and watered down became known as astrology and uh, what do you call it zodiac today 
but they did have a doctrine, the Magus. In fact, Jesus' son, Simeon Bar Jesus, as meant found in Acts, he was also a part of the order. And they called him a Magus, if you read the books of Acts, right? Because he belonged to the brotherhood. When Miriam, or Mary, was about to deliver, she had three men. Each of those men were leading a company of 15 men when you do research into Egypt, you get the story from the Coptic church because the brother of Jesus called James, his real name was Yaakov, took the real teachings of Jesus into Egypt and back to the village where Mary was when he was a child amongst the Hendendawa or the Biga people. When you go back and study that, you'll find things that they didn't record or that the Nicaeans or those councilmen of Nicaean took out of the Bible, took out certain books, and that's why if you look at the Catholic Bible and then look at the King James Version of the Bible, you'll find the King James Version only has 66 books and the Catholic Bible has 72 books. And this is it today because the Catholic Bible was the original Bible because the Roman Catholics, because Constantine was the first Roman to convert to Christianity. And the Bible that people are holding today, like we use, the King James Version was taken from the Tinsdale Version, which was taken from the Wycliffe Version, which was done in German before it was even brought to English. And then books were stolen and moved around and translations confused and words moved. And for instance, the very word God in Genesis was altered from a pluralization to an infinite. That's why they say, uh, in the beginning, God. It leaves it where that could be God's one, two, three, four, five, when you look at the word God. So there was a mystical doctrine. There were secrets that were kept uh, and protected. Certain things that the brotherhood protected, right, uh, about the family of Jesus, about the crucifixion of Jesus, about the life and whereabouts of Mary, after Jesus, uh, Jesus had what they refer to as sacred disciples, like of Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, and these individuals belonged to a sacred brotherhood of which Lazarus was initiated in. Okay? Just to jump around a little. So we do have the wise men who were from a Persian chapter that came over to see the child that was born, actually to protect him. If you really read the Bible close, had not the wise men got there and told Joseph and Mary what to do, then Jesus might have died before he got baptized and received the power of God. Because the reality is that if Jesus had to leave Jerusalem and go to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill him, then the reality is he could die then. So he had to wait till he got to the point where he received the power of God, which was done by St. John the Baptist, who baptized him in age 29, where he received his godship, where he was invincible before, of course, the cross incident, as they put it, which, of course, part of the ritual is who was really on the cross. Did they really die on the cross? Did Jesus really marry? Was the wedding a canon? Whose wedding was that? All these things were held as secrets, but they recorded in Arabic. It wasn't put in other languages, and that's because Arabic preceded Hebrew, contrary to what most people believe. If you, uh, anybody has a Bible, and they open the books of Genesis to the 10th chapter, where they start giving you the genealogy coming down from Noranem, you'll find that a person called Ashur was before a person called Aram. As you look in the Hebrew text, wherever they have, you know, Seretic, you'll see they have Aram. They switched it around. 
but the word Ashur became known as Seretic and that's Syria, Syria, and the language then were in that area became known as Arabic. Let me make it clear. There's no such language Arabic became known as Arabic because the word Arabic in Arabic, Arabia, merely means to Ara, to roam from place to place. And when Ibrahim, or in Hebrew, Abraham, right, left uh, all of Chaldea to cross the Tigris Euphrates to go over to Phoenicians, where they called him Ivri, or Hebrew, right, he was speaking Seretic. And they'll tell you, Lebanon was Assyrian, and that was Abraham's Nahar, Abraham's father's brother, Tyranim, was in Syria. Chaldea was considered Syrian. I don't want to lose you now. But that language, Arabic, existed first. This is why you have two different names in the Bible for God. One name being Yahweh or Jehovah, and the other name being Elohim. You follow? The word Yahweh or Jehovah is equivalent to when you say in Aramic, Bar, for son, as opposed to what you would say in Syretic, Ben, for son. So that's why you have two sons, Bar, Jesus, and then Ben, this, because two languages are running through the Bible. One of them is Syretic, or from Ashur, the oldest son, and the other is Aramic, which became known as Hebrew. Yahweh, or Jehovah, is a Hebrew name. But the word Elohim is the plural for Elo or Elah or Allah, which is ancient Ashuric or an Arabic name. You follow that? Jesus spoke Arabic. And that's why Jesus in the New Testament didn't call on Yahweh. He said Eli. He used the word Elah. Eli, Eli, Lama Thabakthani. My God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? Because Jesus was a Nazarite, and he lived in Galilee. And the Galileans spoke Arabic, which you read in Acts when they start talking about the speaking in tongues. When you do a research, you find out that most of those tongues or languages they were speaking was different variations of Arabic, Syria, Egypt, and such. So Jesus himself spoke a form of Arabic as well as he did understand uh, the Nazarite dialect and Aramic, but his key language was Arabic, that's why he used the word Eli and not Jehovah when he was on the cross. And throughout the Bible you find men that have Eli in their name or El in their name dealing with the Ashuric side of the family which came down to Abraham to Ishmael. See how that went? Now you notice the Arabic verbs in their roots are all three parts. You should notice in the grammar of that language, all their root verbs are three parts. Like if they were going to give you the root word for book, it would be ketebe. You know what I'm saying? What's going to be read is karaa. Three parts. Sit, jalasa. So now, when you get to the name for Abraham, you get Abraham. Avram. Or Ibrahim. When you get to his son by Hekat, which is Hagar, it becomes Ishmael. Correct? But the other son, they had to give him an Arabic name because his name was Yaakov. 
or Jacob, and they changed his name to Israel. They gave him an Arabic name and moved from the Aramic to the Ashuric. You follow that? Because that's how the name comes. Yeshua. That's Jesus in Hebrew. Yeshua. It's three parts. You follow? So the shrine, the original shrines were formed out of the families of the prophet from Amr, right? Who became known as Hashem. And we get the word Hashemi, which is assassins, who were protecting the pilgrims, as I said many times, who were on their way into the holy city of Becca. I'm stressing Becca with a B, because there's no city in the Arabic of the Quran called Mecca. This is a mistake done when they translated or took it from handwritten scripts from the original Arabic, which was a form of Farsi script that you see in the Quran today, and they translated, and a mim or meme got mixed up with a beh because there was no nukat. The word nukat means dots. There was no nukat. There was no dots on the Arabic. There was no fatha, no kasra, no dumma, no slashes or vowels originally. So they really couldn't tell. It depended on the calligrapher. So someone made a mistake when they were taking this Quran and not translating it, but inscribing it from the dialect of the Quraysh in Arabia over to Farsi, where Ali went to protect the Quran against the Caucasian groups of Sunni Muslims under Abu Bakr and his daughter Aisha, who were trying to take over Islam, who formed Sunni Islam to oppose Shia Islam, the Islam of Muhammad and Ali's family. So while he was protecting the Quran, they had to take it and put it in a language or script that they couldn't read, and that script became known as Kufic, because they did it in a place called Kufr, and the letters got shifted. Now people are going to Mecca, when in actuality, that word Mecca is not in the Quran in Arabic. When you look at an English translation, you may see, and then you look at a commentary to explain, well, that's the mistake. The city is called Becca. Well, Becca was a center of trade and wealth, and the family of the Quraysh, or Muhammad's own family, were those responsible for protecting that city. So Muhammad's uncle named Hamza, who was a descendant from Hashem, decided to put together a band of men called Hashemiyah or assassins, and they dressed in all black. They depicted them in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. They thought they were being funny, and they also depicted them in um, Jewel of the Nile, when they show you them all dressed in black with red sashes, or the guy who runs up on the mound and switches the sword, and then he just turns around and politely shoots him. You remember that incident? Well, that man with the black mask on, the black emma or turban, and the black robe and red sash belonged to the Sacred Brotherhood of the Original Shrine. That was their traditional dress. You couldn't have had a Tarbush or a Fez if it originated in Saudi Arabia because the Tarbush and the Fez did not originate in Saudi Arabia. The Tarbush originated in Turkey and Egypt and Fez is a city called Fas in Morocco. So it couldn't have had a Fez as a dress, part of our original dress, if we originated in Arabia during the time of Ali. We would have been wearing the clothes that's in the Hadith and the Sunnah of Muhammad. Otherwise, we would have been considered going against Islam. So Hamza was known to wear all black. And he took a band of blood relatives, young idle men, of course, and women amongst them to cook and prepare, and went out 
and surrounded Becca, or what's called Mecca, and set up camps out there. And they became known as the tribe of Kedar. Kedar was the second son of Ishmael and means black tents. He said they were known to have these black tents. And anytime caravans were en route to Becca, if any uh, hoodlums or bandits would try to attack them to rob them of their spices or whatever they're transporting, then the tribe hems on them, would capture them, try them, and sentence them and execute them by, in most cases, beheading them. You follow? That became a fierce group of men. As years passed, let me jump some years, as the crusade came into play, then people had to protect the original city where the Masjid al-Aqsar is, which is in Jerusalem, because Muslims had a vested interest in there because in that city in Hebron was Ibrahim's mosque. Then they had the spot of the ascension where Ibrahim was challenged by the devil, which is the Dome of the Rock. All that was there. So tribes from the Hashemi who are now in Carnido, who don't walk around dressed in black image no more because we're way up to the 10th century now, they would go over there and they moved and lived amongst those people there and were trying to protect the shrines and the shriners. You follow that? Those people who went, shriners meaning those people who went to worship at the shrine. So they would secretly protect them. Meanwhile, the Christians on the other hand had their own group. Their group were known as Knights Templar. They were influenced out of Spain first, out of a place called Alhambra or Seville, where they encountered Moors, and they're the ones who had the pheasants. They encountered the Moors, and the Moors taught them, and they were the Catholic order, and became known as Knights of Columbus. You follow that? And then their Islamic order became known as Alhambra. We know it was done by people who wasn't Arabs, because they say Alhamra, and the word is Alhamra'ah, because it means the red house. You follow that? And the word is Hamra, not, uh, not Hamra, would it be? Alright, these men were also paid large sums of money to go to Jerusalem to protect the holy sites while these people are fighting. Back then they didn't have to worry too much about bombs. It was mainly to defend the temples and the priests against the rebels. What eventually happened is, here you are, a Knights Templar, and I am a Shriner, a Muslim Shriner, and we are both protecting the same building because the building is sacred to you <laughs> for Jesus and is sacred to me because of Abraham and Muhammad. Muhammad making his ascension called Isra over there. So now, we're there for the same reason. Eventually what happens is we start playing chess. Because we're idle. We're sitting there and we start exchanging conversations. And then we start discussing the scripture. And then these so-called Catholics, so there was no Baptists then, no Lutherans, started debating with the Muslims and the Muslims with them. And they found out that they had more in common than they thought. They didn't know there was whole surahs or chapters in the Quran about Mary. They didn't know that was there and about her immaculate conception. 
and how Jesus was the Kalim Allah, the word of Allah, and the Rahu Allah, and the spirit of Allah, and Jesus was exalted in this world and the hereafter, and Jesus spoke again. They didn't know that was in the Muslim doctrine. All they heard was the cry, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, and let's go kill people. So as they started to meet, then some of the knights of Tabla became inquisitive about Islam, wanting to know more. They wanted to learn more about the prayer and the Adhan and the Iqamah and the Muqtadi. And they told them, well, before you do that, you got to take Shahada. Shahada is a word meaning bearing witness. You got to take Shahada that you worship one God and that God alone and have no partners with that God. It's no big deal because they basically believe that. So they took Shahada and they started coming into the temple. It was allowed now in the masjid with the Muslims as long as they respected it. They knew that they wasn't devout. Some of the Templar started learning the Arabic language and starting to read the Quran in the language. They became the original Shriners. The story that the Caucasians give about beating in a restaurant and all that stuff is something they made up. You follow? They became the original Shriners there. That's the first time Caucasians or non-Arabs were allowed to wear the symbol. You're right? And to be introduced to a small portion of the doctrine. They were given certain stories as symbols to test their loyalty. And they were given certain trials and certain what you might call examinations to see how firm they were before certain secrets could be passed on to them about the truth about Jesus and the truth about Mary and the truth about Judas. You follow? And some of these men took that oath. Eventually, the French Foreign Legion is formed. You follow what I'm saying? And these are supposed to be the French Orient who have now converted to Islam. And they are protecting the desert. Now they're converting from France, they're converting from Britain, they're coming in from Ireland, they're different ones, and they're basically Catholics, but they are adhering to the Islamic principles because they had to respect the Islamic law. You never put your foot up in front of a person, you never do this. When you meet a person, you say, Assalamu alaikum. They say, What does that mean? They said the same thing Jesus said in the upper room when he came and he said, Peace be upon you. So, again, Assalamu alaikum. So that's how that ends up in the shrine of part of the doctrine. I can't go into the rituals, I can't tell you everything, but in certain rituals, certain stories are enacted that can be found in Sirat al-Islamiyah. In the history of Islam, you can find everything. You follow? And one of the things they did is the Caucasian ones got attached to a certain man called Qadir. Remember that jewel of the Nile? And he was going to try to rule everybody. Danny DeVito was in this, remember that? And they called him Qadir. He's trying to find the jewel or the stone of the Nile which is of course the black stone, which is not black, it's brown. <laughs> you have to see it to know it, which is another mistake. All right, so what happens is this man Qadir was a very powerful Sufi or a mystic, a fakir. When you use the word fakir, you're really saying a very poor person, right? And he had his own band of men who were like the Hashemiya. And the Caucasians admired him when he died they set up a ritual to reenact his death over and over again. Caucasians in New York were invited to Algiers. First they visited Morocco for a party, then they visited Egypt for a party, and then they visited Algiers. While in Algiers, they went to a certain sultan's party. And at that sultan's party, 
they were enacting a play of a part of the history of Islam with Aisha. Aisha, one of the wives of the prophet, and something she did wrong. They were enacting this play, and this enactment became, a, it was like a mystical ritual for the brothers. These Caucasians were so overwhelmed by this play and this enactment that they brought it back to the United States in manuscripts poorly translated and set up their own ritual and formed what they called the shrine. Most of the Negroes who accepted their philosophy or petitioned to go to them had no idea that there was already a black shrine. You follow people like the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Noble Drew Ali, uh, Marcus Moses Davi, all of these guys were tapped by a man called Dus Ali Muhammad or Dus Muhammad Ali of Egypt who belonged to the Egyptian shrine called Masjid al-Hussein over at Khanakhalili and that's the Arab shrine in Egypt across the street from the University of Al-Azhar and that's where those Arab shrines meet. A lot of American Negroes have no idea that we have an Arabic shrine. An ancient doctrine, ancient rituals. The thing they're holding in their hand is something that some Caucasians found a little bit of in their past and they're wondering where the, where the gap is at. What are we missing? I thought there was some secrets. Well, there is. They just don't have them because they got away from their own language. The first trick comes in is before you get into the shrine, you must be a what? What must you be before you get into the shrine? Freemason. A Freemason? A Freemason. That means you have to be a free man, right? Free from? Free to? Huh? See, this is already assuming that everybody that wants to join was a slave. And if that's true, then how the Caucasians end up effing AM? Who freed them? The fact is that they were slaves because the actual word slave, as you know, means Slavic. And they were slaves to the Moors in Morocco and in Spain. You understand? And they were slaves to the Moors in Ireland and Scotland and Yorkshire in England, where you'll find crests to this very day with pictures of Moors on the family crest of all of those countries. Africans up there, Moors. You hear me? So, a Moor cannot be freed because a Moor was never a slave. You have to understand that there was a treaty made between George Washington and Sidi Mohammed of Morocco when America was losing the battle for us to bring in ships from Morocco and to surround America and protect the shores. You can look this up. And you know what happened? Boats of Negroes came. You know what I'm saying? George Washington was surprised because they had already had Africans in slavery. And the men that came to protect America were Negroes called Morenos. There's no Arabic word for more. They were called Morenos. So what they did is they called the ones that were here from Africa by slave ships, Negra, or Negro, or Negro. Guess where that comes from? That comes out of the Bible. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1. The word nigger is in your Bible. 
Simeon, the brother of Jesus, Simon, the brother of Jesus is called nigger. And if you do some research under the word nigger in the Greek, you'll find out it means black-skinned person, which kind of tells you what Jesus really looked like, right in your Bible. You follow what I'm saying? So they called the ones that were slaves in America niggers or negroes. And they called the ones they respected morenos or morena. And then the ones who married in they called blackamoors. They were part African and part Moor. Now any African who wanted to join a large who was in, in America, a slave, had first to be freed. He had to be free because you have to be a free man. <laughs> See? But the Moors didn't need to be free because we are the ones that initiated them and raised them and crossed them. We took them across the desert because they couldn't find their way from Saudi Arabia to Syria and from Syria over to Egypt. And it's a map of the constellation of Sirius that's in the sky. And that's the symbol that the original Hashemites would use. They would draw a certain marking, and that's where they say, and Jesus got down and marked something on the ground. That's a ritual symbol. You with me? So you had two groups now. You have the American Negroes who have been enslaved, accepted themselves as slaves, then you had the Moors who came over here from Morocco. You follow that? Both of them are black as night, will not be here. And you can't free a Moor because a Moor has never been enslaved. That's why we here call ourselves United Nwapian Nation of Moors. And we demand that our sovereignty be recognized because we have a treaty that we made with George Washington that's in the archives and we can show it. And we can take our bloodline back and verify that you can't give me a charter from England. I gave you the charter, silly. You can't make me a Shriner. You don't even know how to say Shriner in out of it. They make the mistake on all the certificates to put the word Kubt, Kubba, in out of it. It's just not Kubba. A Kubba Shrine is where a dead person is at. Now, if you wait for me to give you the word, I'm not. Because that's one of the real sacred passwords <laughs> that you have to find out in your own due time. You with me? So now you have this situation where you got slaves, niggers, and those who call themselves Negroes, and then a man called Prince Hall, who has a Caucasian father and a Barbadian French mother, who was also slave. Right? But he had to be free. So, therefore, they referred to his lodge as a African lodge. But Noble Juali, on the other hand, who went over to Egypt to study, and into Morocco to study, came back and said, No, we are not Negroes. We are not colored people. We are not African Americans. The word Africa, Ifriqiya, means to divide up into pieces, to distinguish people from each other. It's not one of our words. That's not us. We're not African, or, right? We're not Negroes. We're not colored. 
In fact, Caucasians got more colors on them than we do. They got blue eyes and pink skin and speckled and red hair, some and brown hair, others and green hair and so much other stuff. Yeah, none of y'all are colored. So Nobu Ali came back and through him came out the Nation of Islam and they were trying to teach a form of Moorish doctrine and it got lost along the way when money took over the logic like in all situations. And it went dormant. You follow me? So there was original shrine. There was an original secret and protectors of the holy child, the holy child that was born 2,000 years ago and the one that will be born soon according to Revelation chapter 12, which people don't seem to realize there's two distinctive births taking place because they don't know how to read the languages. They're getting King James Version and King James was a king, not a reverend and not a translator. He didn't even profess to be a Baptist. <laughs> he was a what? Anglican. They were a branch of Roman Catholics. He used a Roman Catholic Bible, so when they decided to do his version, he decided to leave them books out and put 66 books in. You hear me? And left out six books. 66 and 6. Revelation chapter 13 has 18 verses, three times six. They were putting a code there to let you know that you're holding the book of the devil when they gave you the Holy Bible. You follow? You know why? Because when it leaves the original language, the language of God, it's no longer holy. You know how you know that? Because Christ said, not one jot nor one tittle shall be removed from the law. Nothing should have been changed. He said, I did not come to change, but to fulfill, to complete it. So if it got changed from Christ's time in the language that Christ was speaking, then it's no longer holy. It's only holy when the high priests are reciting it in the language of Christ. Can you grasp that? Are you with me here? I know it sounds weird after all these years of poor indoctrination, but I specialize in language. And it's fascinating to find out how the devil played this game and try to wake people up to this. If it's in English, it's not holy. It's holy by Bill, but not the holy Bible. Completely done by a man named Bill, and Billy is short for William, and William is William Shakespeare, and William Tyndale, who wrote the whole Bible, wholly done by Bill. But not the Holy Bible. You understand? This is all done purposely. So when you are in the shrine, and you are reading your rituals in English, and can't read the Arabic language, and call it an Arabic order, you are out of order. You must get it organized, because it's ours. Don't think it don't exist, because it does. Don't think that people who are descendants of the Prophet Muhammad, the real Sharif, and the Sayyid don't exist, because I'm standing right here. And everybody that knows me, knows that I'm a direct descendant from Muhammad.
saying, I'm not what I'm saying today. I can trace my family from my father straight on back to Muhammad to Ali. And we still have the doctrine. And we still have the language. And we're still here to protect Asa when he comes, when Jesus is born. It is our job as the shrine of the heavenly host. We have a war. We got to fight against that dragon. The partying is over. The children we've been taking care of as a shrine is a symbolic of us taking care of that child. That's why in 1997, they call it the International Year of the Child, but they address taking care of all children. So we, the shrine, have been taking care of all the children as a symbol of preparation to take care of that holy child when he is born. And know this, are y'all with me? And notice that the dragon, Revelation chapter 12, the devil called Lucifer, they give you all his names, and Satan is waiting to devour the child. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 3, when the harsh, his name is, the whisper, is being cursed, what they tell you? On thy belly shall thou go, and what? Dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Snakes don't eat dust. Are you with me? You all with me? <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> You're the spirit, right? <laughs> when Cain had his consonants fall because he did not do the ritual of the offerings right, you see? He got mad. He became worse. Angry. Because he wasn't doing it right. I've met shrine as I'm talking. I said, well, brother, that's not the shrine. I've been in the shrine. That's not the real shrine. You an Arab, brother. That's some stuff we gave the Caucasians to keep them busy. Ain't nothing in there you learned. Want me to teach you some stuff, some real shrine stuff? Because you're my brother. You're more. They get mad at me. It works. You can't go organize your own thing. We organize our own thing. We existed since Muhammad. You're organizing your own thing. We're talking about some guy just said he got it in 1860. And we've been around doing this here since 570. 1860 versus 570. Who do you think the faker is? Our shrine, we're still speaking out of it. Still protecting the secrets. You with me? But that came... He was worse. That means angry. And his consonant, as it says in the Hebrew of the Bible, nephel. His consonant fell. Nephel. Hear the word? Nephel. It's from the Hebrew word nephela. To fall down from where you get the word nephelian when it says giants in the earth in those days. And the sons of God came down to earth in his days. That's when the devil was being cast out of heaven, as you read in Revelation chapter 12, because he went up against Mikael. Who was Mikael? Mikael in Hebrew. He, he said, who dares to go up against El? That's what his name means. Mikael in Hebrew. Like El, who dares to try to be like God? And Lucifer did. <laughs> he said he's going to take all the stars of the heaven and control them. Ain't that what he said? He's going to bring it down and he's going to sit on the throne of God. Ain't that what he said? <laughs> and he fooled himself, didn't he? 
Because God didn't come out. God sent one of his warring angels, one of his shriners. <laughs> Are you with me? And there was war in heaven. People say, well, brother, y'all, how can they have a war in heaven? They have birth in heaven. They have birth in heaven. Open your Bible to Genesis chapter 2. And when you read, these are the generations of the heaven and the earth. In Hebrew, the word is toslid or toslo. And the word in there, yolod, in Hebrew, means to give birth or beget. In any other place in the Bible where some people, a man and woman, is giving birth to a child, they say, he begot him, and he begot him, they're using the word tuslo, tuslo, tuslo. So it says, this is the generation, this is the tuslo of the Shemarian, the heavens, and the earth in Hebrew. Then you lie to yourself. Everybody who can do me a favor, Reach down and pick up a handful of this stuff here. <laughs> Hold this stuff up in your hand. You see this? What is this? Sand. This is Earth. This is Earth. Now, what's the name of your planet? Huh? That can't be, because this is Earth. What is the name of this planet? Y'all have named everybody else's planet. Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, but you don't even have a name for your own planet. The Christians don't have it. The Jews use the word Erith in Hebrew, meaning Earth. The Muslims use the word Arda in Arabic, meaning Earth. Arda, Earth. Where they steal it from, the Sumerians who use the word Eridu for one part of the Earth where they came down, as Genesis chapter 6 says. So what is the name of your planet? <laughs> Praise God, you don't have one, huh? Your doctrine in your Bible is so thorough that it forgot to give you the name of your own planet. You hear me? These are things we know. These are things we protect. You with me? It's desecrated, man. It lost its purpose. And, you know, and I used to say we got to bring it bring it back to its purpose. If we can't bring it back to its purpose, then what did Muhammad do it for? For humans like us to come and mess it up? For mortal men to come in and trip imams and chefs and Mulana to change things and make themselves feel important? No, Islam is simple. Islam is peace. That's all it is, it's peace. How can you be, and I used to argue all the time, Islam means peace. They say Islam means submit. No, Islam means peace. Islam means submit. Islam means peace. Because if you, if you submit to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're in peace. How can you miss that? You know, they want to wrestle with doctrines and dogmas. What's the root of it all? Peace. And how do you get to peace? By caring. I told people before, I'm afraid of the word love. Everybody say love each other. Well, love could be lust too. Because the media has worked the word love so much until we got to throw that word almost away and start and use the word care. If you start to really care, care becomes a thing. And people use care more than the, the, the desecrated word love will disappear and caring will become real. Learn to care. It's simple. You know, it's not about care about who or care about what. Just care and everything will start happening. And if everybody just cares, you know what I'm saying? Then the heavens care. And then Mother Nature will care again. 
then the tornadoes and the hurricanes and the floods will stop because she'll know that we care. If all of, until that time, until we can get that, we're going to have more floods, more diseases. They said a thousand children catch AIDS a day. We're going to have all kind of things until the, the, the aura, the energy, the persona of, of care, that people are starting to care. When you see somebody in stress, help them. But don't help them just because I said so. Learn to help them because you care. You understand? Really want to help a person. Don't just be pushing people aside. You know, reach out. And everybody, we all, you know what's going to happen? We're going to bump into each other. I'm going to be trying to help you. You'll be trying to help me. You know what I mean? I'll be trying to help you. You'll be trying to help me. I'm trying to help you too. Let's go help somebody together. All that, everything else, all religions, all faiths, all beliefs, belief systems, they don't mean a thing if the root of it is not simple concern. Simple concern for people in Palestine and say, what do you worship? And they say, well, Yahweh, Adonai, in Hebrew, if it is. Strip away the word Adonai, strip away the word Yahweh, what do you worship? Strip away the name, the creator, the source. Okay, let's go, now let's go from Jerusalem, from the Wailing Wall to Mecca and say, what do you worship? Allah, Al-Khaliq, Al-Ali, Al-Alim. Okay, strip away the name. What is he? The Most High. Now let's go to Christianity. What do you worship? Jesus. No. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No one gets to the Father but my way, by me. Let's go to the Father. Who is the Father? The Most High. So where's the conflict? The conflict is in men. Mortal men who want a monopoly on human souls. And they're our, they're our greatest, I mean our greatest enemy is, uh, is dogma. It's doctrine, it's philosophy, it's interpretation, it's tafsir. This is our biggest problem when men come in and feel they got to tell you how to relate to God. That's the problem. And he gets a uniform, and he's a clergy, and he's full of color, and he looks good, and he sounds good, and I like that old man. He got a white beard, he got the God look, and I forget God for him. And he gets so used to being a reverend, and so used to being an imam, so used to be a kohen or a rabbi, he gets this God complex. And eventually, guess what? Whenever I'm in distress, I go to him. Say, so, yeah, Sheikh, I need to have a problem. Instead of me going to Allah, I go to the reverend. Excuse me, reverend, uh, I'm having a problem at home. Or rabbi, I'm having a problem. What happened? Men stepped in. And they started cutting off the flow between you and the Most High. And they make themselves a focal point through you. I told people, I don't have no followers. Oh, y'all are followers of this guy, Doctor. I don't have no followers. I don't want nobody walking behind me. You walk alongside of me in this world. Don't tell nobody I follow. You don't follow me. I follow you. I'm here serving you. You ain't serving me. I'm doing my best to teach you, so I'm really your slave. You're not my slave. I'm here to, I'm, I'm just trying to pass on what they're giving me. To give you. They said, get it back in place. I'm just, all I'm trying to do. That's all. This, this, this ritual used to take place in ancient Mitzvah, or Mitzrayim, or Kemet, whatever name you want to use, thousands of years ago. You go all up in Europe, and you'll find inside the cathedrals, labyrinths, where the priests, not the laymen, the priests, when everybody left the cathedrals, their priests go around in a labyrinth. You go to China, you'll see the same thing. Labyrinth. When did they pull the labyrinth out of our way of life? 
You know why? Because everybody there right now is on their own personal journey. There's no preacher up front telling them what to feel. No, no rabbi directing their emotions. When you get over under that sprinkle and that sprinkle of water touches you, then it's just you and the Most High. And you know it and you feel it when you're out there. There's nobody else. You don't need no reverence. You don't need no rabbi. You don't need none of those things. You have a direct contact, a direct link to the Most High. And if you let men cut it off, it's your fault. You are a part of it all. You're not just in the all. You are in all. The, the definite article, is to define the first step or the doorway into all. So you start by saying, I am in the all. And as you elevate, you realize the the got to go. I'm not in the all. I'm in all. All is in me. You're not just a part of the all. You start off a part of the all as you begin to acknowledge the all. But once you get a full understanding of the all, you no longer are a part of the all. You are the all. And that's why that, that hum on that tone is there. It's supposed to be the vibration of creation. In ancient times, they say om. Same tone, om. In Arabic, we say hunna. The way we would recite the Quran in Tajweed is hunna. If you say, now different people start at different times because it's personal. Make yourself a part 
of the solution, not the problem. Everybody here who has a child, when you pick up your child, that feeling that you feel is how you should feel when you touch everybody. You know what I'm Everybody you come in contact with should be that same love. I should care. And I can feel if I care. If you're weak and if you're ill, I'll feel it. And I should want to share my strength from every bit. By the way, I go in my pocket and give you to help feed you. If I'm healthy, when I, when I embrace you, I should send my health to you also. Not just gather in a building and pretend we care. Sit around, everybody use the same name for God. It mean, means religion. Don't mean a thing. It don't mean anything until you realign yourself. The universe, the sky, with the air, when birds see you and they're familiar because they feel your presence and they're not afraid of you. Animals are not afraid of you when you feel, they feel you. You have no fear. When they see that, that animalistic nature in you, they're afraid of you. Plants will grow. Plants in your yard, they wouldn't grow. When your house is changed to a peaceful place, you'll see plants flowers growing. Mother Nature will give you signs that she knows that you're trying to reach her. And you may stumble along the way, because babies do fall. You may get weak and fall off the path. That happens. But if you've got a focal point, if you've got a purpose, if you set up goals, I don't mean vague, I mean vivid, clear. I got to do something. I got to be a part of the solution. That's I all talk, all a bunch of kids on drugs. That's not being a part of it. I got to tell them why they don't need it. I got to create an atmosphere for them where they feel good. I'm telling you, when you people look around here, what, what I see here is people that if I saw on the street, I might have been nervous if I approached them. I might have felt uncomfortable, but I don't. I got everything here. You got everything here from old people to young people, hip-hoppers, <laughs> right on down to R&Bs. Nobody's having no problems. Don't tell me there's no, don't tell me there can't be peace. It can be peace. All people got, enough people got to do is want it. Don't desire it. Want it. If you want it, you'll go after it. If you desire it, you'll look for someone to bring it to you. Get up and go after it. Look around. Look at all the different people, all the different faces. This is something that is going to go on forever. When you leave and go wherever you're going, I'm going to be doing this next week. I'm going to be coming down and doing it again. If I leave and go somewhere, when I fly back in or drive back in, my first stop is going to be there again, keep on sending that energy of love out into the world and care, care, care. Keep sending out, keep sending out, but look at them. Just look at that. You know? I mean, what could beat that? You know, how many people, how many people here had made their Mugharaj? How do you feel? Good. Beautiful. 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 Personal. Beautiful. And it's a personal beauty. We got to work again towards having that type of earthly harmony. Earthly harmony. Not black harmony. Hanubian harmony. Earthly harmony as a family of human beings who want to live in peace. Right. I'm not right. saying the right. government is all bad, and I know for sure if we set up our own government somewhere along the line, it's also going to go bad because you can't control corruption. Right. Right. Corruption right. finds its way in. Always. 
scandals find their way in, slander finds its way in. It's having so much good love amongst us that it dominates. to bring that forth. No one wins the race. No one. And we can all say that. Be yourself and you ain't got nothing to be worried about. Stop trying to be other than self, you ain't have no problem. You know what I'm saying? Just trying to be somebody you can't be is why you mad at them. If you let things be the way they're supposed to be, trees will grow, flowers will grow, and everything will be happy. Stop killing and eating animals. You know what I'm saying? Start cutting up the trees. Plant some trees. Plant some flowers. And if you live in a city where it's bricks and you can't do it, get out of there. I want to see families roaming all over this place. We don't want to turn into no, no ghetto now. We don't want to break everything up there. You know there are some destructive people. Everybody to police our society. Everybody to police the children. Everybody's responsible for what's going into their head. I don't want to be restricted. I don't, Nuwakic is good. I want the children to learn Nuwakic. I also want them to learn French. I want them to learn Spanish. I want them to learn English. Even German if we have to. We want to reach out to everybody in the world so that we can set up a model community of peace. A model community of cooperation. We learn to buy from each other and sell to others. That's the way the system is set up. Those who ain't selling nothing is buying everything. Right. So we got to learn to produce things that are us. Egypt is us. So we should corner the Egyptian market. As a nation, you got to have a product, a produce. You got to have something that other people in the world respect and want. And you can't go on and fabricate something because it won't work for so long. It has to have some indigenous root in it. And all of us have roots in Egypt. All of us have, to have roots in Samaria, even pre-Egypt. We have roots in this land here. And from Africa, people walked everywhere. They didn't just walk across America. They walked up into Africa, up into Europe, and became Neanderthals. They walked all out to the west eastward and became Peking. And from Uganda, they walked over here and became Almat. They went down southern parts of and became the Bush people. We walked in every direction from one family, from one group of beings that were tapped into by supreme beings. Whether you want to call it God, Yahweh, Elohim, Allah, whatever name makes you feel good, that's not important. But we do know as Homo erectus, some beings stepped in and implanted a gene that made Homo sapiens that took us all the way this far. But way down the root of our genes was still that animal nature. And as time went on, that gene started tumbling. If you watch, watch closely, people are transforming back into animals. Right. Killing each other for nothing. They got mothers sticking their babies in garbage cans. Most, many animals in the animal kingdom desert their children and let them fend for self. That's not supposed to be in a godly nature. We have an animal nature and we have a godly nature. They work together. But the godly nature must rule the animal nature. Principles of love must rule the principles of hate and dislike. The problem with that is that the word love, the devil has even set out to mess up the word love. So let's start caring first. Let's use caring first. Become concerned about people around you. I mean the stranger. 
Speak to the stranger politely. Good morning. When you see somebody in stress, help them. Because you might be the person in stress that will be helping himself. You see somebody down, pick them up. You stand there with money in pocket, someone's talking about their bills. Let me think about no new sneakers. Say, here, let me help you pay them bills. Make that person strong. Right it doesn't mean when every time you meet somebody who belongs to the Christian faith, you got a badge of them. Just to right. prove how great you are. That doesn't make you look good, it makes you look bad. You gotta wean them the way a mother weans her baby with kids. And give them health and vitality and strength and comfort and assurance. They gotta feel comfortable when they're talking to you. Because you are the sons and daughters of God. And they've been longing for you. They've been waiting for this. You can't come off like this. <laughs> you both to walk with them and talk with them. As they say, Enoch walked and talked with God. Well, you're that God that Enoch walked and talked with. Don't feel intimidated by monotheism. Because many people could only afford one pair of shoes. And some people could only have enough worship for one God. Others can extend further than that. They can thank the God of love, the God of nature, the God of air, the God of the sun. But I tell everybody that belongs to any religion on this planet, if you don't acknowledge that S-U-N, I don't care what you worship, you won't be here. Finbad, the Sahaf of the Prophet Adam, the Book of Life. First page, verses 1 through 55, revealed in the year 3126 B.C.E. Begin all things with the illustrious name of Allah, the Noah, the wise, the body of Al-Khidr. It is related in the records that Allah, most glorified and exalted, thought of becoming and became, and he created three states. Lahut, the realm of Allah. Malakut, the realm of angelic beings. And Nasut, the realm of human beings. Or the first, the physical world, the last. He created a being to rule over Malakut, the realm of the angelic being. He was myself, Michael, of his pure light. And he was to create a human being to rule over Nessus, the realm of the human being. He is to be called Adam, son of Allah. And as for Lahut, the realm of Allah, his throne is there. Allah most glorified and exalted created a green tree with four branches and called it the tree of certainty, Shajaratul Yaqeen also known as Loki tree or the green tree. Then he created my light, Michael, 
that's hidden in a veil of green emerald, like the wing of a peacock, and placed it on that tree. So my light said, Subhanallah, glory to Allah, on it for six and seventy trillion years. Then Allah was glorified and exalted, created the mirror of life, which is the light of the seraphim. They are one race of angelic beings, angelic beings of the green light, and from its reflection created the cherubim, angelic beings of the lesser light, the second race of angelic beings. And the mirror was placed to receive that light of Allah, most glorified and exalted. When the peacock looked into it, it saw its form as the most beautiful of forms, and its shape as the most adorned. So it felt embarrassed before Allah, most glorified and exalted, and sweated. Seven drops of sweat fell from it. And from the first drop, Allah most glorified and exalted created you, the Prophet Adam, son of Allah. May Allah be pleased with you to be the ruler of Nasut, the realm of human beings. From the second, he is to create one called the Prophet Apostle Noah, son of Lamech. May Allah be pleased with him. And from the third, he is to create one called the Prophet Apostle Abraham, son of Pur. May Allah be pleased with him. And from the fourth, he is to create two called the Apostle Ismail and Isaac, sons of the Prophet Apostle Abraham. May Allah be pleased with them. From the fifth, he is to create two called the Prophet Apostle Moses and the Prophet Aaron, sons of Imran. May Allah be pleased with them. From the sixth, he is to create the Prophet Messiah Jesus, son of Gabriel, one of the seraphim, angelic beings of the green light. He shall be his only begotten in his time. May Allah be pleased with him. And from the seventh, he will create one called the Prophet Apostle Ahmed, son of Abdullah. May Allah be pleased with them all. Then that light of the Prophet Apostle Ahmed, son of Abdullah, prostrated five times. So the five prostrations were to become obligatory for the followers at an appointed time. And so Allah most glorified and exalted made five prayers obligatory for the Prophet Apostle Ahmed and his nation. Then Allah most glorified and exalted looked at the light again and it sweated from modesty before Allah most glorified and exalted. From the sweat of its nose, Allah most glorified and exalted created more of the angelic beings angelic beings of the green light from the sweat of its face he created a masjid in Jerusalem the footstool the tablet
tablet of form, the pen, the sun, the moon, the veil, and the stars, and what is in the heavens. From the breast, you created the man, the god, the mujet, the reformer, the men of knowledge, and the morals. And from the sweat of its back, he created the visitors, the house, the God, the holy house, one in Malakut, the realm of the angelic beings, and one in Nasu, the realm of the human beings. And the places of the Masaji is Nasu, the realm of the human beings. From the sweat of his two eyebrows, he will create the community of the Prophet Apostle Ahmed, son of Abdullah. May Allah be pleased with him. Of the faithful and the Muslims, ones of peace, both men and women. Upon the plain of force, there is neither distance nor time. There is not heat or cold, summer or winter, day or night. From the sweat of its two feet, he created planet Earth. From the east to the west, and what is in it? Then Allah, most glorified and exalted, said to the light, Look before you, O light of Al-Khidr, Michael. So he looked, and he saw a light before him.